It's um not. It doesn't sound like that anymore. No, that's my EM interference is like. Yeah, that's that's old school EM <laughs> interference. It sounds a little more sinister now. <laughs> Mark Watney's a botanist. Actual garbage. Accurate science. Good story. Wow. Consumption log zero zero one. I'm gonna science the shit out of this, and that's what they do. The Martian. But enough about robots. Robots. Let's talk about the robot that is human himself. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast. We've got Nicole and we got Ben. How you two doing? Good, good. I'm all right. All right. This is David. We are here for what I get to call the inaugural episode, even though it's absolutely not that, of the consumption log, now that we're going to break this podcast <laughs> down into two so that the people who want to hear about us fail to do things have their own space, and the people who want to hear us talk about badass movies and shit can go into their own space. You can find all the dirt you want on these changes at actualgarbage.net or on iTunes. Just type in actual garbage, and both the machination log and the consumption log will show up there. We're here to talk about... The man, the robot himself, Mark Watney, in The Martian. Now, I would ask someone else why they picked this, but I picked it, so that's a little awkward. Uh, the Martian is really weird to me because it is, first off, it's a work of fiction. That's a no-go. Like, I don't like fiction in almost any of its forms. And did, you, did you read this? No, I did. Oh, no, okay. absolutely. Did. Oh, like a, like a physical copy of it? Yeah, it was like a damn page turner, I'll tell you that it much. It is a page turner. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I don't read either. Um, I listened to this twice. And yeah, it was a. I, I basically just didn't turn my phone off like for three days when once I picked it up. Unprecedented for yeah. fiction for me. <laughs> no, I read all the time, but it like I just read it a week ago in two days, like one night and then another night. That's easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really it's engaging. It's not very dense either, you know? It's, no. it's kind of Harry Potter density. It's a little <laughs> more technical, but... Well, the problems the problems are addressed one at a time. If there are motifs in it, they run through it. They don't, go, they don't get too thick, so you don't really have to think too hard about what's going on. But the, the way that the fiction is built, even in the science fiction I've read, it's practically novel. Because even though there are examples like Star Trek where... They try to relate what's going on to reality. They sort of MacGyver about, you know, the transporter works on principles, in quotes. But they don't work on real principles in the way the Martian does. Like, so much of the Martian right. is built on real science that you can actually, it builds like a mystery sometimes. It's all completely plausible. Everything yeah. in it, you know, and as a, like, I deal with engineering-related things sometimes, and... uh there were a lot of things in there. I'm like, yeah, I wish they did that now. Like, <laughs> like the interchangeable, like universal hose fittings. He yeah. talks about that a couple times, and I'm just like, yes, that would make everything well, easier. That, and that's actually just an example of them building, because this is essentially, you know, like a, a next generation Apollo 13 story. Yep. I mean, yep. our, our, our current, you know, our present day has not caught up to where this fiction starts, but it possibly could one day. It's very close. And uh, one of the things we learned in Apollo 13 was that. <laughs> 
everything needs to be interchangeable because you never know when you need to get, you know, a hose from one side of your, of your, uh, you know, your ship <laughs> or your hab, mm-hmm. you know, to plug into a filter on the other side. Yeah. So all that stuff needs to be interchangeable. Like, we learned that lesson the first time. Hopefully we won't make it the same mistake <laughs> when we go to Mars. It paints a very, very favorable picture of NASA. Like... Like they've, the book is like a love letter to NASA almost. It's a little, oh yeah. It's like the NASA most people perceive is not the NASA that's in the Martian. I think. Well, it's the NASA that we see is is entirely bureaucratic now. Like it's lost the the, the Martian more than anything. The organizations within it and the degree to which it is literally just man versus nature. Like it's almost never adversarial between any two human beings in the book. It, it paints NASA the way that we used to think about them in the rose-tinted glasses of the Apollo project. Well, yeah, and that was that's another, like, the Apollo 13 thing. It's like, okay, NASA, like, we are going to pull together and we are going to be the best NASA and figure out how to solve this problem. And this movie, I think, did that a lot, too, because what you see is, like, NASA cutting the bureaucratic tape yep. and just pulling together and coming up with a solution, which, you know, ideally you'd think that that's what NASA should do. Well, if you had like, an aspirational enough project, yeah. you could maybe pull that off. Whether that can exist anymore is an open question, but the Martian posits that world, and it's a fascinating world to explore because Mars is plenty enough adversary without the politics on Earth. And the way that they're addressed, the way the politics are addressed on Earth is there is this sort of detached... I mean, there, there are parts in the book where NASA is sort of derided by Watney because Watney is the absolute most just he needs to be pragmatic because he needs to survive. And he talks about, you know, NASA advising him on things and he's just constantly annoyed that people who are smarter than him are telling him what to do. Yeah. Um, and then NASA has to deal with the public, and the the sweariest character in the book, Annie, just spends all of her time just frustrated that she has to tell the world what's going on. It's funny, on. and I felt like that's where almost all the politics came from, was how is the public going to perceive this? Because even it's like, oh yeah, we're going to work with China, China's going to loan <laughs> us a missile, we're going to work with these guys. But oh man, here comes the press secretary, like now we have a shit storm. Like that was... Yeah. That was like the biggest problem. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of disdain from the common they were folk. Working on like yeah. the biggest, the biggest like pitfall they seemed to have politically wasn't even finding money, although that gets referenced a little bit. But it was, how are we going to deal with the public? How are we going to deal with the public? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, it seemed like I didn't really get a pitfall vibe. It was just like a constant pain in the head in the neck like they always had they always had to deal with the yeah public. yeah like the public was obvious was not the public was rooting for them but it was more it was the media uh, that yeah that are they're they're very demanding with updates and you know they want like they want mark watney's picture and so he he poses like the fawns because he's yeah. like fuck it i don't want a picture <laughs> i don't have time for this i mean like, in a suit and they're like we don't care they just need a picture yeah no it uh there does seem to be this disdain for the uh, for the one when it's not specifically individuals collaborating with each other. When it has to be full organizations, it seems like Andy Weir, the author of this series, not a huge fan of just general organizations. He's the the fact that Mark Watney is surviving by himself, almost in spite of other people contributing to his cause. I mean, he loses the Pathfinder. 
He loses Pathfinder. Yeah, he shorts Pathfinder out yeah. before he even leaves for Schiaparelli. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he runs into problems, but he can still fix them all himself. Yeah. Even, yeah, even, like, the storm thing. Like, he figured out the storm was coming all by himself and worked <laughs> himself out a little route. And, yeah, because yeah. he's a smart guy. Yeah. 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 I mean, he wouldn't have made it the first, however, several months without communication. Otherwise, um, yeah. So that okay. So if we want to, if we want to go back to, and maybe just start at the beginning. So, <laughs> okay, I love. I really, really enjoyed listening to this book. Um, I actually, I couldn't sleep one night, and I just saw it in my library. Uh, Lou had bought it. I didn't know what it was. I had no idea about the hype, any of that. And I just <laughs> turned it on. And it, what I loved about it was, you know. Right off from the get-go, Mark Watney's alone on Mars, and you're just going through, like, his trials and tribulations. It's like one problem after another, and you're going through all these ups and downs with him. And by the time he gets, you know, by the time NASA finds out that he's still alive there and he, you know, starts going to dig up that Pathfinder, like, we haven't heard any communication with Earth up until then. And when Earth comes in... It's such a relief because you've been alone with him on this journey <laughs> for a substantial amount of time already. Yeah. And I remember like listening to it. I was like, oh, my God, somebody finally found him. Like, <laughs> we're going to be able like he's going to get off here soon. Like, yeah. not soon, but like it, there's hope. This is so exciting. It was like really <laughs> relieving when I, I listened to it. And um, I was really disappointed that the movie didn't have that same kind of buildup. Like, I felt like you lost a lot of the feel that the book had because could, of they that. They could have staged the the way the movie was a lot better. I think. I think. I think you're right. Um, now, I don't. I didn't listen to the book. I read okay. it. Okay. Um, so I didn't get the same sense of relief just because I'm powered yeah. through it. You know, yeah. you get through that first. <laughs> I was through the first, all the first Mars stuff to the first NASA scenes. In like a couple hours, so. okay. And I can imagine it's a really good book to listen to because it's, it's, it's so narrative. It's um, it's an amazing audiobook. Yeah, it works really well in that format. But the movie would have been much more. Like if they would have just let you be alone with him on that journey before that, they started introducing all of the other stuff. I feel like the whole. I feel like if that was the to make that effective, to make that first part of the movie long enough, so that you get the same sensation of relief oh they finally found him the the nasa scenes would almost has almost have to be a significantly smaller part of the movie they would have yeah. had to be yeah. yes that's um, that's that is a compromise that they would have had to make i think yeah. and there were some interesting things in the nasa scenes i mean for the most part they were um i i liked seeing donald glover as that one character who found the uh oh um who found the root. rich pernell Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Rich Purnell maneuver. Rich Purnell. Yes, yes. That was, I was like, I know that guy. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just afraid that the way that the movie... I mean, I agree. I agree with the general sentiment that you don't get the aloneness in the movie because, I mean, for one thing, the movie is only two hours long. So you can only be so alone in that context. But they wanted more than... Uh, they didn't want to just go full castaway on this right, and just make Tom Hanks the only character in the film. That's one of the, the uh, more yeah. obvious parallels for this movie. It's yeah. castaway on Mars, you know? Yeah. It's Well, and it stars the new Tom Hanks, <laughs> yeah. Matt Damon. Yes. So, I, I need to look this up. Has Matt Damon ever been killed in a movie? Um, I don't think he has. 
America not, wouldn't stand for it. I'm not a Matt Damon expert, but nothing's coming to he mind. He's in The Departed. Right? I was going to say everyone the, died at the end yeah. of that, but I hate that movie, so I've <laughs> yeah, I, I a cannot. Lot of it. If there was going to be a movie he died in, it would be that one, but I don't remember well enough to tell you. I'll edit that in, whether it's true or not. Uh, but yeah, I, have, I have a feeling it's not. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so he actually dies in a handful of movies, but I think the point still stands that America loves Matt Damon. Nobody he may can... have survived The Departed. That's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants him dead. That's not like it's. That's such a weird Hollywood thing where, you know, and that's why I think it actually maybe would have made the movie more effective. And I may tie this back into the book because I have an extreme opinion on the book for this as well. Okay. I, I'd commented to Nicole when we were in the theater when Matt Damon turns on the GoPro the first time and starts saying, I'm fucked. This, I, I just immediately said, they should just. They should have started and with this. And that's literally the first words of the book. And I like, hadn't read I'm the book. Fucked. Yeah, <laughs> I, didn't, I yeah. didn't read the book, so I didn't know that's that's no, totally how funny. it starts. Yeah, he, he leaned over right at the moment where the book would have started without all the extra Hollywood stuff at the beginning. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Why didn't they start it here?" I'm like, yeah. I, "I don't know. This is where the book started." Yeah, they didn't. Yeah, because they don't go through the whole. They don't redo the scene. No, he's already alone, and the they've book. already left. Yeah. By when they the time. recap the scene where he actually gets separated. Yeah, um, well, and because Hollywood. Apparently needed they they wanted the extra breadth of time to develop the other pilot or not the other pilots but the other astronauts and that seemed largely irrelevant to me and it mostly is like I just that's not what the Martian's about to me the Martian I mean, is about just a struggle that yeah man versus nature like you know you know what the goal is but Jesus there are so many obstacles in the way and I don't feel like the crew contributes to that. They, I don't think they do at all either. And even in the book, I mean, the way that you get introduced to most of these these characters on the ship are through whatever effects got left behind that Watney's right. going yeah, through. Right, yeah, has got all this You know, stuff. so, like, we know that Martinez is the religious one with lots of kids because he's got, like, the cross that you can light sure. on fire and yeah. stuff. And we know that the captain has terrible disco taste in music because her entire computer file is nothing but... So There's you, a German, you, yes. Yeah, you really like <laughs> learn about the characters through whatever effects Watney uses of theirs that they had left behind during through the book. Like, you know, their personalities aren't really that important to the story. And Watney doesn't get to see them during the course of the book. This was the more extreme yeah. form of the book. I you know I'm complaining about the movie. I actually think the movie, having read the book after watching the movie, the movie, other than the the exact feeling of just a perpetual struggle with being alone having to fix all your own problems the movie is extremely faithful to the book oh no it's excellent they they did a very good job of preserving the tone of the book for the most part i think yeah like well and the and the plot and the yeah plot, it does they don't they don't deviate the, from it does much. progress through the plot the, very good the final scene of the movie is deviates slightly in a, in a way that kind of irks me and i didn't realize <laughs> it had been it had been more than a like almost a year since i'd read the book when i saw okay. the movie so i didn't remember if that had actually happened, no, in the book he never or not. does do the no, Iron Man. No, he suggests procedure. it, and they're like, no, yeah, that's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. That, that would not work, <laughs> and it wouldn't work. Like, it it, it just wouldn't work because you punch a hole in your glove, you don't know, you don't know which <laughs> well, by, way it's well, going. By that, by that time, he was already getting into you know Mars orbit in a, in a you know he's not even in a soft top. So yeah, well, yeah. he's not even rescued by Lewis. No, in the movie. no, he's not. And that, no, they they don't ever unclip from a tether. When they're rescuing him in the book. The big thing that they have to do is blow up the airlock, which is, you know, fairly significant. Yeah. Well, that's, I I always, that's crazy. You're making a bomb on a spaceship. Yeah. 
And I thought it was funny that they had Lewis go and rescue him, too, because I'm like, okay, so you're the captain, and you're going to suit up in, like, the two seconds you need that, that, that <laughs> the velocities are going to match up. That whole up, scene and- plays out in, like, less than a minute it, that's, in the book. In the book, it's also, yeah, it's a really short thing, and it, it drags on. Like, they they left a lot of time to, like, build up the rescue, but they they sacrificed the time that it took him to get from Planitia to where the uh, spaceship was, I think, because that was a relatively short journey, but then we spent a lot of time in the spaceship on the actual rescue. Oh, yeah, the time yeah. lapse, the time lapse of getting to Shepparelli Crater was... Was they weird blew to me. Way through the I, like through that because they even they try to make it look like he's fatigued and he's got a beard and he's scrawny, but it felt unearned, Ge- mm-hmm. especially given how much happens to him in the book. Right yeah. during that time, I mean, it's the the storm and and the rollover. Yeah, yeah. but but nobody wanted to. I, I feel like the the producers were probably like, so we're gonna put an off road recovery scene on Mars in this? And they're like, <laughs> that can go. Yeah. It's not exciting enough. Yeah, I mean, it, I understand most of the decisions we, they made. Yeah. yeah, you'd have, like, intermission part two, the journey, you know? <laughs> but, like, <laughs> but the, uh, in the in the same way where, you know, maybe the movie would have been better if it was more desolate, I almost want to know how that book would have read, and granted, Andy Weir's only written three books, so maybe he just wasn't willing to be this avant-garde, I want the version of this that's just Watney's audio logs. I I'm down with that where, as long as it's where just he audio. gets to Pathfinder, mm-hmm. where he gets to Pathfinder, and you don't even know if NASA's listening. Yeah, because that would make the reveal worth it. Because up to this point, so much of his stuff only sort of works or just outright fails. So it's completely in the realm of possibility. Yeah, it could have just been Mark Watney. The whole movie. They could have done it full castaway style. Yeah. And never shown you the nasty. They could have done the book that way. And then had like, you know, your two minute at the end, like rescue and just kept that nice and short and sweet. And that's the other thing, because the movie also adds a like kind of like a denouement at the end where he's back on Earth and he's teaching. And the book, I mean, they rescue him, they're like, You smell like shit, we're out of here. That's it. And that's it, yeah. Yeah, he's got this whole, like, recap. He's, like, staring pensively. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yes, we know Matt Damon. That's what Matt Damon looks like. Yeah. Well, and that's that's perfectly reminiscent of Castaway. Yeah. Oh, they do, yeah. They do that exact scene that, in that Castaway. That last scene in Castaway. Seen Castaway. Oh, you should... You should watch it. It was it was in high school. It was like one of my favorite movies. I watched it <laughs> way more times than one should watch a movie. Um... But yeah, the last the last half an hour. It's a long movie, and the last half an hour is mostly like. I would. I don't. I don't know if you want me to spoil it for you, but oh, does he I, survive? Try, yeah, yeah, he survives. <laughs> no, I know. I've already been told that the last half yeah, hour, yeah, and the goes, whole movie goes downhill. Yeah, he's like he's he like the goes to see his wife, who's obviously moved on because he's yeah. been dead for six years. Like, <laughs> and he's and she's like, I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you, and he's like. I don't know why I'm here, and then he <laughs> leaves, and then he turns in that last package as a FedEx ad. And I I am not happy with FedEx this week. I'll yeah. tell you that. Yeah, yeah they well, really then don't they, watch Castaway. They pulled uh, a. That was that was a good like. He, he's get the last package in, man. You know. Yeah. Well, no one was doing that for for me. Well, this what's, week. the joke is always that, that package had like an emergency beacon or something in it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because it's the one he refused to open. Watney didn't get to bring shit back with him. <laughs> no. I know, I know. All that science for nothing. I know, all that time collecting rocks. Yeah. All that wasted science. And they mention, they mention, the, the ending is sort of bittersweet the way that it comes across. The, they're talking to the, the, 
the director of the Chinese space program mm-hmm. is yeah. saying, like, we rescued this guy, and sure, like, this brings our countries a little closer. There's, like, political clout to be, but we lost. Yeah, the, the, we the, lost a huge piece of technology. Yeah, we that, lost. And they're like, so, it's probably never going up. Yeah. Now. No, and it's like, so we lost that. And then Mark reflects on how much collaboration there was to save this one guy, it, which is at the end of a book that is all about the one-man army. Mm-hmm. Like, because Mark Watney was worth saving because, goddammit, he could do anything. Like, he is... He, if there's a problem, he can solve it. He, well, that's he, one of those. He has the he has the surviving down. It's like I will figure out how to live here if you guys can figure out how to pick me up. Right. Like, yeah. But I've got I've got my situation under control here. I can't leave, but I'm I'm taking care of business. Yeah. And after doing uh-huh. all that suffering for all that time with, and then he has the thought, just the idle thought at the very end of the book. It's like, how much can one life? possibly be worth. Yeah. Even yeah. after spending all this time with him and his struggle is so real in all the forms that word takes. But it was all just for him. They destroyed a Mav. They wrecked Ares 3 completely. Hermes got screwed up. They risked five lives the China, there. Yeah, they the, blew up a probe. They blew, like, all this sh- One person. Yep. And that is the most Hollywood thing about the book, frankly. <laughs> I don't know if that's actually how it would go down. It's hard to know. If it was the Soviets, hell no. If yeah, it was no, the no. Russian space program, they, they'd be like, everyone died. Or, no, yeah, he's dead, for sure. Yeah. And they would find out he wasn't dead, and they'd be like, he'll be dead soon. It's not public domain <laughs> over there. Yeah, they well, yeah, the, the satellite images aren't getting yeah. released to the public. Nobody's big... going to figure out what's going on here. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I don't know. I don't know how shady. I don't know what if there's a shady element in NASA. I'm sure there's some. There has to. There be. has to be. I don't know how so, how serious it is, but I mean the the thing they would run into is the uh, they the media would have uncovered this even yeah. if NASA tried not to because they would want photographic proof and the fact that NASA was deliberately not giving it to them would have caused a stink. Right. Yeah. So it it would have gotten rolling, but man, it is. It is virtually impossible to know how how that would have gone in real life, that particular element of it, because right. there's no parallel. Also, but you, yeah, and you also have to take into consideration, like, if NASA was in a position where we were funding Mars missions, you know, maybe as a country, like, we'd be more, like, you know, open and willing to, like, because right now it's like, oh, NASA costs a lot of money and, you know, people don't want to yeah. spend the money on it. But right. if we were funding a Mars mission, like, that would be it a would, bigger focal point and it would reflect in how we treated that. It would reflect a big shift yeah. in public perception. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we're not we're not there right now. Well, and no, even the not. people, yeah, I know, and even the people in NASA, you know, they, they were excited at first because they thought that it was a way that they could manipulate an extra mission to Mars. Yeah. Like, you know, it was oh, like, oh, played, man, yeah. we've got, we got funding Ares for... Ares 6. Ares 4 was going to be the rescue mission, and Ares mm. 6 would be the the, the yeah. supplement. Yeah. Although it is it is a little weird that just right off the bat, it is just NASA. I mean, we already have the International Space Station. You would hope there'd be a little bit more cooperation going on. Well, I mean, so our current deep space program is the SLS and the Orion capsule. And I don't know that there's a lot of international collaboration involved with that. Like NASA's, the shift right now in NASA is private. We're going to let private industry take care of the routine taxi, you know, to and yep. from space station, 
and the government funding is going to go towards more sophisticated missions. And I mean, I think the current goal, which is not going to survive the Obama administration, is to go capture a small asteroid and bring <laughs> it back. Just See if to, we can mine it. Yeah, well, it's 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 that's where it gets that the, that's I, where it gets plausible. It's not the mining, really. It's the it's. I mean, it may be the mining. Just saying possibilities. But ostensibly, it's the possibility of helping developing the technology to prevent a giant asteroid or meteor from and, hitting and the planet. But fuck that! I heard there's platinum on those rocks. <laughs> that's what I mean. But yeah, it's like we just signed something into law regarding asteroid rights. Actually, excellent. Yeah, this just happened. I can't. I didn't read it. So I can't talk about it. But. That's forefront. good. You're the only person here who even knows about it, <laughs> and you don't know what it says. Yeah. So, well, all I okay. I do so know, it's probably really. I do important. know that we are that we are not spending enough time figuring out how to deflect asteroids that might be heading, you know, towards us. Um, and there's no reason we couldn't, as a global society, put more resources to things like that. Because I mean, you want to talk about global warming? Yeah. Uh, if an asteroid comes and hits us, like we're talking mass extinction yeah, here. Yeah, that would be <laughs> that would be bad news. There was there was a Long Now Foundation talk. I'll edit in who it was from, but essentially the guy was saying that we really don't need to put that much money into preventing those kinds of like global disasters because the funding will come if we find one. So we need to but put the money into find one, find too, one. Yeah, we don't want to find one too late, which is why we need to be spending money monetary these things. Yeah, that's that is the part that needs yes. the funding because as soon as you have enough funding to find the first one of those, the rest of it will fall into place. And there's right. no reason we shouldn't be spending money on projects like that. Like that's <laughs> important to us on a cosmic level. For those of you interested in pursuing that talk further, that was a talk given at the Long Now Foundation by Ed Liu, E-D-L-U. If you haven't heard of the Long Now Foundation, it's basically TED for grown-ups. I highly recommend it. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, the eventual destiny of humanity in the stars, a whole idea, is not really one that's broadly distributed right now. No. Like, it, it's hard to. The Earth feels too problematic. We can't even see the stars at night for the most part. <laughs> I like, mean, we don't even know that shit's up there. I mean, that will happen, or we'll all die here. Um, yeah. And those are the only options. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, but it's it's hard to, I guess, hard to put that idea into. Well, people don't want to think about yeah, like an asteroid hitting us and causing a yeah, cataclysmic. You know, I'll, I'll be dead in fifty yeah, years. It's not happening. Extinction event. Yeah. Well, yeah, and those kinds of extinction events are problematic just because there's nothing, there's nothing besides directly circumventing them to think about. Like yeah. colonizing Mars is its own can of, and that's why I'm glad that a book like The Martian exists is someone's at least thinking about it, and enough people care about it when you bring it up that The Martian can be immediately picked up as not only a bestseller, but apparently also as a movie. Uh, the contract for both the paper version and the movie version of this uh, arrived at Andy Weir's desk in the same week. Nice. Wow. Um, after it had been an open source just yeah, blog it was, it project. Yeah, like a public, public, yeah. yeah. Oh, he he no, just kind of put it out that. there. Yeah, yeah. there's there's a exactly. groundswell around, like, this is not a niche phenomenon. There are plenty of I people just, who are I, fascinated with this. I just read another book that was funded in a very similar manner. It was like a open, it was a, it was a crowdfunded book um, called uh, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. <laughs> it's actually quite good. It's very pulpy, but very good, char it was very character drama heavy. Um, 
as far as like it's it's uh, effectively the crew of a ship um, that it's a specialized ship that does tunneling, which is how wormhole pathways are opened up between their infrastructure development. Okay. <laughs> like that's what they do. So they open up. You have to like either go to a place and punch back through. Or you can blind punch, and there's like a specific species that has special perception of time and space that allows that to be possible. But um, that's the kind of sci-fi I can't read. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not very heavy on the science, but it was just very good because yeah. it's very. All the characters are very entertaining. But yeah, that, that book was public. Like she, it was just her project, and then mm-hmm. she's like, "I want to finish this book. Will you guys give me money to do that?" And then that did, they did, and. Things got rolling. See, I didn't realize that about the the Martian because I totally fell upon this book like by mm. accident. Like I said, well, I, it's possible to fall into a biosmosis now. It's huge. Yeah, yeah, it just happened to be in my audio library one night. I yeah didn't even know why. Yeah, <laughs> my, my mom got me the book for Christmas last last Christmas. Okay, and so I okay. read it. I actually finished it before I even left. Went back to Gainesville. I finished. Yeah, it once you days. pick it up, I mean, you just yeah. you just blow through it. No, yeah. yeah if no it's if it's your kind of thing, yeah. I mean, there is there is some degree of you you have to be able to put up with continuous hardship because there aren't a lot of particularly yeah, people, happy moments in pe- the book. People watch. People love Battlestar Galactica, and that's nothing but a space tragedy. Oh, God, yeah, it's, gr- the first, it's just and one the first tragic, the first tragi- miniseries. People love tragedy in the their first space miniseries adventures. In the first season of Battlestar Galactica, it's miserable. They're the best, though. Like it's but just see, that's, as it's things get thing, better for the crew of the Battlestar, the show gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it does. Like it's like everyone's. It, it's 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 a really honestly the first. You could, you could just watch the first three. Miniseries episodes. See, but I like how. But what I like about the Martian is, unlike you know, Battlestar Galactica, which is just like tragedy after tragedy. Like, right. Martian sets it up as solvable problems. Like, you just have one problem after another, and you just got to keep working. Yeah, well, and Mark Watney is a very. He's like an unerringly positive person. Yes, he yeah. has. He has two moments of like actual despair. And he snaps out of it. Yeah, I like yeah, how snarky quickly. he is too. Yeah. Like I, I thought that was fun. Help moved it yeah. along. Well, and it it would become necessary to have a personality like that to make this book even make sense because you have to you have to have someone who can after those moments of despair, after spending you know another eight hours, he doesn't then conclude okay, this is over. He then go he he comes back and goes, all right. Let's do this again. Let's figure this out. Let's keep moving. I still have a goal. I still can survive. I'm still alive. Yeah. <laughs> There's still something I can do. Um, and the things and the things that are come into his way, again, like we mentioned at the very beginning, incredibly organic. I mean, there are almost no there are almost nothing aside from the initial setup where you have everything that NASA sent him. There's very little environmental impact on what happens to him in the story, other than like the sandstorm and the um, yeah the initial event and, and the then... rollover. I mean, funny enough, both during the travel sequences, well, the rest yeah. of it is just him having to deal with the state of affairs at the very beginning of the book and things around him failing in a perfectly natural way. Yeah, yeah. I really like the setup for the Hab failure in the book. Yeah, where they have mm-hmm. the narration of how the whole how the canvas was produced, and then how the panel was put together, and then and like the small yeah the post mortem analysis yeah. of what went wrong. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then the guys at NASA are like, "Well, we're guessing fatigue near the airlock uh, fe- 
exaggerated a flaw in the fabric, and that's what happened. Yeah. And I like when you know when he's in the airlock, and I kept thinking that I was like, just you know, just wheel walk it over like a hamster, and eventually he finally that, had to. That's one of those. I was so excited. I was like, I solved this problem. Yeah, the number of places you can do that, where because because it takes place in a world, the only the only things the book assumes that you don't know right off the bat are the things that NASA sent him. Like if you don't know. What rocket fuel is made out right. of? Yeah. If you don't know what hydrazine is, you can't have imagined his solution for water. But the rolling the airlock—that was—I had the exact same thing yeah. where the airlock got blown away, and he's talking about how he doesn't have long enough. It's like, dude, you got to just move it closer, yeah, yeah. and then he does it, <laughs> and that's just—that's a great thing because yeah. you feel you. It was perfectly logical. It was something. It what it's he what did. It's what any of us would have done in that situation. Yeah, well, had we else? not panicked and yeah. done something stupid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's the only thing to do. Yeah. I think the airlock in the book is square or something too, because he has to like throw himself against yeah. the wall. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It was a little in the movie. I wasn't expected to be such a big huge. I was thinking it was more just kind of a little square thing off the edge of it, but. I don't know if they describe the exact dimensions yeah. of it, but. Well, you know, everyone's interpretation is different. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone's perception of the book is going to be different. Oh, well, and the amount of investment you put into thinking about what's going on affects that tremendously. I mean, you can just you can just read through the thing and see, oh, he did it this way and did it this way and did it this way. But one of the fun things about it being so rooted in realistic science is that there are other ways these things could have been done. I mean, there's there are a handful of them, and he got a lot of feedback about this when he was putting the book together because mm-hmm. he was blogging it a chapter at a time. Oh, okay. He was getting feedback from people saying, Maybe well, that's the why science... So a lot good. of those edits went into the final version, Oh, I okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. that actually... Yeah, no, th- he, very... got, he got feedback from a lot of highly educated people. It's like, the science isn't quite right here, or he could have done it this way, because there's, there's not one way to do a lot of the things that he got done. Yeah. I mean, like, the, uh, the example that I... I was coming back to when he did the uh, the sandstorm, and he was trying to figure out which way the sandstorm was going. The solar panels seemed like the right way to go about it, but given all the stuff at his disposal, that really was only one of the ways he could have figured out which way the sandstorm was going. There was all sorts of other things, and most of them involved the kind of locating objects around for effects. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he just he came up with one. And you could make up your own rescue yeah. story at that point. Right. There's no, I mean, there are a lot of wrong answers, but there's more than one right answer. Yeah. And that's super cool. I mean, that's how things usually are. Yeah. Yeah. But not in books. Like, that's not normally a thing <laughs> right. that happens yeah. in books. And when it happens in books, it's the kind of thing, it's the, well, why didn't the eagles fly them to Mordor kind right. of thing, yeah, where you just like, ruin the whole book. Right. <laughs> um, there's very little of that in The Martian. Like, The Martian, his problems are so down-to-earth, and the struggle takes place over so much time. There's no easy way. There's nothing like, oh, well, why didn't he just do that? And not that, I'm, not that I saw. Like, there are no gaping plot holes, if you will. I didn't find, I didn't find too much in the book. I the, mean, the only thing about the book is I, I find it... I like the. I didn't find any plot holes in the book. I find it hard to believe that anyone would be that expository in their own diary entries. <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you're on your own, like, yeah, I mean, you know, possibly. you don't have anyone else to. And he was almost, you know, at least off the bat. I mean, he was doing those more for himself than right. anything. You know, he wasn't trying thinking it out. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't trying to make them politically correct so that NASA could read and interpret them. I mean, he was really <laughs> just doing that to like basically express his own. 
you know, feelings throughout the situation because he had no one else to bounce that stuff off of. That's why, like, you know, press secretary gets all mad when he comes back with the fawns for the photos, you know. <laughs> but, like, hey, he, you know, he's doing this for him, basically. Like, he's not worried about how how politically correct they think he is. Yeah, if you have something NASA. useful to tell me, tell me. Otherwise, yeah. I'm doing what whatever the hell I want. Yeah, like, I'm here by myself. Like, this is how I'm handling it. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing you guys can do to change the way I decide to do this. Yeah. <sighs> well, like, when he finds out the, the they haven't told the crew yet about the fact that he's still alive. Yeah. Like, and he's like, it's not as exaggerated in the book as it is in the movie, but he does say... You guys are fucking idiots in yeah. the book. Like, yeah. That was yeah, one yeah. of the... I didn't find the, it a plot hole, but I, I did find that irritating. I'm like, why wouldn't they tell... I mean, like, I guess I sort of understand, but it, it also... It ties into Lewis's drama in the, the, the exact thing that I don't like in this book, where Commander Lewis in particular is probably my, the most problematic character of the book to me because she is a pride and honor, take charge character who has no real role in what Mark's doing. Yeah. So she ends up interfering with a lot of the message of the book because she has this, like, perfect ideological dedication to being the commander, being the one who goes down with the ship. And that struggle just in The Martian doesn't, like, it doesn't matter no. all that much. She's she's an imperfect commander. I mean, and that's obvious. I, I, and that might be why it's in there, just to highlight the fact that no one's going to do a perfect job as a commander. But maybe it's, it's mostly irrelevant. Yeah, like um, it doesn't. It just doesn't fit with the themes of the rest of the book to me. Yeah, that was probably my biggest, not like plot hole, but like yeah, the the Commander Lewis thing and the not telling them. I felt like that might have been a plot device to hold the story over longer because you know it is very possible if they would have let them know that they would have maybe come up with a way to pick him up sooner but because they spent so long not telling them they obviously weren't you know weren't part of the it. problem solving yeah uh, i mean the, you know, the crew. i have a feeling the only like the the way they they come up with the rich pernell maneuver and rich pernell's like he comes up with like i wonder and then he spends like a couple like a, a day or two on a supercomputer, yeah. Yeah. like iteratively figuring out all these orbital paths to see if they're correct. I actually prefer the movie version of what happens there because in the book they try to pass that off like it's something any human being would actually do yeah, it, under without direct orders, whereas in the movie it actually has the MacGyver-esque feel that that really does have in real life because if anyone was going to do something with Hermes, someone would have actually already been tasked with figuring that out. Right. They, that would have been one of the options. And they're not going to pull... It, the people who can pull rank are not going to listen to him. Like, that's that's completely unrealistic. So having having him sitting next to the server rack with his laptop plugged yeah. into... Yeah. Like, that's frankly as realistic as yeah. what happens no, in I the mean, book. Shack it up for he, weeks he would in the SSH in, though, honestly... Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. The computer, the computer science is all wrong. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> well, and the whole Rich Purnell in the room with the NASA head higher ups. Mm. That scene's not in the book. It's like, they oh did. yeah, they just pass it to Venkat. Yeah, he he, does it. he's like, yeah, it's a, it's a possibility. Um, yeah, but some someone would have heard about it before then. Like that's not a that's not something. Why would he be doing that in secret? Like it's not what he was talking about was drastic, but that doesn't that doesn't mean he has to keep it as a surprise. That like, that doesn't 
that part doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, that's not a realistic thing. At least not to me. I guess I'm not an astrodynamicist. I don't know how they lock down creative yeah. endeavors in that unit. Mm. Although Maybe the way they know. portray JPL in that basically makes it sound like it's just a playground. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way JPL is sort of just, all right, you got 50 days. Just whatever, man. We'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> the number of inspections they, they like, drop, too. It's incredible. <laughs> like, it's probably... Well, and the, 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 the cannibalizing of the MAV... Not that cannibalizing, was, but but that um, was that was fun. I enjoyed reading. I enjoyed oh, yeah. that whole process. Yeah, so I thought good. that they was go good. into more detail in the book. And yeah, it's like they're getting rid of literally yeah. everything that's not essential. I, I thought the movie did a good job. With I liked that. with the little diagram. I thought that that was a good yeah. touch in the movie when he's like, yeah. Yeah, "Get this out!" Oh, and the the, out. the head of JPL. I don't know who that actor is. Perfect casting, though. Like that is exactly oh, the, the guy the I'd expect. Asian yeah. heavy set. Yeah, yeah the, I'm not sure what the actor's oh, name was. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was perfectly yeah. cast for that. He's so he's very good at looking as exasperated as that guy would be at the time. Probably my favorite scenes in the in the movie that weren't really in the book were the getting Pathfinder working again because they they bring in. They, like, call in all the old guys who used to work on yeah. Pathfinder, and they're yeah. all hanging out in a warehouse. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what's up, guys? And that's not in the book. And I thought, no. and, like, they're doing, they have the whole computer set up. Yeah, to they've get got the, yeah. the replica there. Yeah, got, yeah, they yeah. didn't They didn't really go into that in as much detail in the but book. But I actually, no. I, I, but another, you know, point of, of how this is barely science fiction, I mean, I, I like how they bridge the gap with, you know, stuff that we actually do have laying around yeah, Mars. Yeah, it's, it's mm-hmm. historical. Yeah, I, I was really excited when I got to that part of the book because I you know it was another thing I'd started thinking about and I you know I couldn't remember I was like but don't we have a rover that went it's, out it's on kind Mars? of Mars mission fan service because I remember Pathfinder yeah when I was a kid like yeah. I was I was like that's I, I really like that aspect of bringing it back yeah it was back like up. it was so cool I was like oh man well, and he even, and I remember in the when book, it went he, out too, and it was like, oh man, they can't figure out how to turn it back on. Right, like, yeah. what's what happened? Did it run out of light? Did it run out of batteries? <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Yeah, they uh, and even in the book, he teases additional fan service with curiosity yeah, and decides against no, it. No, it's, it's not curiosity; it's opportunity. I th- is it curiosity or I thought it was opportunity? Uh, it, one or the other. It's one of the one of the two that made it a long time. Uh, the yeah. pair. Yeah, but they almost they almost just bring the whole gang together. They just they just <laughs> make like, Mark Watney's mission like a collaboration of all the ghosts of former Yeah, because he cuts due south to get around the yes. storm and yeah. he's like I'm only like two days from opportunity. Oh right yeah, now. yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. can get my comms back up. It's like uh, I don't want to listen to them anyway. Right. I know they ended up being more hassle. <laughs> yeah. I like the power struggles too, where yeah, he has to like decide like, because once he communicates with them, he has to essentially let go of some of his power, and that's like kind of a struggle for him, you know, mm. because he's like, I know I've got the smartest minds working their hardest, but he's like, I'm here, <laughs> I'm doing it, like mm. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's practically uh, Andy's done a bajillion interviews in the interim, but one of the one of the ones, one of the topics that comes up all the time is the robot versus human distinction in mm-hmm. who you send to Mars. And Watney obviously represents humanity in this, but the powers that be at NASA, they send robots 
they are sending instructions. Whenever mm-hmm. they are commanding Mark to do something, they are essentially treating him as a robot. Yeah. Right. Um, they're 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 essentially saying that the thirty minutes it takes for him to receive the information is worth the opportunity cost of Mark having to figure the things out by himself. Um, and that's a real trade-off that they are going to have to start making on if they ever do manned missions to Mars. Yeah, they yeah. have they have no it's all procedural what they send him. It's all yeah. there's no judgment on his part involved whatsoever. Well, there can't be. They and can't do that. And that's currently how that's how every NASA like every EVA works. I mean, there's there's it, almost nothing that goes unscheduled and un Well, but that's what do you start when you start getting to a point where it takes a half an hour for the information to get there and new information is rolling in mm-hmm. that, you know, if you had to build it in, the smartest minds in the world, hopefully they build a robot with enough AI that it can improvise a little bit um, because they can't remote control that stuff anymore. Right. It's a weird problem, although um, a lot of the Martians' problems, it turns out this was a historical flaw that Andy could not have known about because we didn't know about it at the time. Turns out there's a lot of water on Mars. Yeah, more more now than we ever thought. Yeah, maybe just not in the crater he had landed in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they've made several big announcements about Mars since that book came out. Like yeah. this year, there was the there's a lot more water on Mars than we thought. There's also the hey, we know where Mars's atmosphere went. Um, yeah, no. you remember that one? Um, not enough to talk. I remember about seeing it. the headline, but I don't remember it was the just specifics. That they're, their Mars's magnetic field disappeared, so they lost their ionosphere. So solar winds slowly stripped away. Oh, it just took yeah. a okay. Okay. But they had. So we they, just got to start it back up, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nuke the poles. Yeah, that's how it works. What's really funny is I heard Tesla say that, and I'm like, my buddy Dave said that like seven years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some things never change, man. That's, yeah. That's how, but I mean, water. Having water in the, not merely just frozen water, but hydrogen and oxygen just readily available on Mars has suddenly, like, opened the floodgates of of possibilities. Yeah, for what we can do there. Um, And if Mark Watney could survive without it, I mean, shit, imagine if you could, uh, you could actually build habs of the kind that, yeah, and the, uh, uh, one of the, one of the biggest plot holes in the book, if we cover, Another one of them is that we don't quite have adequate radiation shielding to make everything light enough. Yeah. But if you can not bring water, that helps a lot. Yeah, that helps. Takes... Also, use water as radiation shielding. Like, if you had an excess of water, you can just fill the walls of whatever you're in with water. Yeah, I, there's a lot of options suddenly open up. Which uh, that well, may maybe, be bullshit. And maybe by the fact that that <laughs> whatever. Well, and then <laughs> we'll find something. Just in in that you know this book and movie ended up being very popular. Like maybe it'll help bring like more interest to a bigger project. Like oh, know, trying so. to get to to Mars. Because at the end of the day, I think that those are projects like worth investing in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't we don't nobody sees the value of NASA as like a. A test bed for new technology. It's, it's but I don't. Not I don't understand why. It I mean, could be. It I, that seems like a perfectly good use for NASA. It, it, I mean, that's we have. You know, you you trace the the technology that's sprung from the Apollo program and everything we got to use for that from yeah. that. It's incredible, and people don't really realize that when you sink that much money into something. Well, the necessity being the mother of invention. It turns out those inventions are good beyond necessity, and space is a really 
easy, convenient way, inexpensive, but convenient way to develop necessities that you right. need to build around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why the Air Force also has a very, very solid track record of inventions that we end up using in all sorts of other ways because when you're going 2,000 miles an hour in the sky, there's there's a lot things. of things you need to worry about. Right. And then that stuff bleeds back down to Earth. And that's just that's a connection that we don't appreciate as much anymore. Yeah. I, People yeah, I don't. Think we've gotten away from that. People don't bit. really understand that that. Well, it's it's the lack of a long term payout that yeah. keeps that from. Well, a lo- or lack short of short term. Yeah. Payout. Yes. No, there's plenty of long term payouts. Yeah. No, it's it, that's the problem. There's no short term. Yeah. We don't throw money at things anymore. Not really. No. I know. It's Only so the military. Sad. Yeah. How are we supposed to get better at stuff? We don't experiment. What? That's that's uh, Elon Musk's job now. We yeah, got to rely on him for private capital for everything now. Hyperloop and uh, all that. Oh uh, yeah, they're building a little one. Yep, I'm sure that will scale just fine. <laughs> <laughs> they're building a mile long one. I think it's to see if they can build a mile long yeah, vacuum just, tube with yeah, any kind can of do it. economy. Yeah. It's challenging. I'm a I'm go with no. Yeah, <laughs> has the whole 99.8 percent vacuum, something like that. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he's doing it. That's a way better use of money than yachts, so I'm all for it. Hey, but man, yachts are cool. Yeah, one yacht's cool. <laughs> I don't need 8,000 yachts in the world. You pick one guy, he can get a sick, rad, awesome yacht. He probably lives in the Black Sea. I don't... I won't, I'm more than happy to have Musk try to build vacuums underground. If it if one of those accidentally becomes something super cool, which is exactly what NASA is built on, is that you try a bunch of random things, and if one of them pays off, you end up with you end up with people on the moon, you end up with collaborative space stations, you end up with satellite technology. Just period. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, there's a lot of fundamental stuff that comes from the necessities of trying something that is overly ambitious, potentially entirely out of your grasp. I mean, they they set a decade-long marker for getting to the moon, which was prescient, because it did take a while, but we didn't know we were going to be able to do that. Yeah, no. there was no guarantee we were going to get there. Yeah. But yeah. I, I but think we did. Mo- I think most people but we are, did. Yeah, and I think most people are glad that we did. Yeah. Like, that's... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's cool. That's super cool. It's the onion. It's the onion headline. Man walks on fucking moon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do... I, I have met people that think that that was staged. Uh, I think those people are sad. Like, I, my, I feel sad when they I do. meet those people. Well, they feel... They feel... They, they have no source of um, distinguishing... They feel they feel like they're really horrible, boring people, and so they have to adopt conspiracy theories to <laughs> to give them a sense of uniqueness. Even though yeah, they like we're not special at all. Don't make we up your own. We just, can't do anything amazing. Just pick, yeah, because I'm because I'm, I'm a boring. loser. Yeah, we must all be boring. <laughs> and exactly. No, that's the, the only conspiracy theory that p- pisses me off more than the moon ones. Is the like ni- I just the find ni- it sad. The nine eleven one. Oh god. That one that one's just that one that one grinds my gears to be uh, to understate. Yeah. But gay marriage can't melt steel beams, Ben. It can't. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. I'm glad cuz that would give us a real reason to protest gay marriage. Yeah. Well, you know. 
And uh, we don't need that. <laughs> and on that bombshell. Oh, yeah. Well, this is perfect. We're at 56 minutes. Oh. So, so if we wanted to make this an hour, we could just do that. We could, S- we could start slowly deviating. Yeah. yeah we feel, already have. Yeah, I feel like we, we did that like we healthily. Yeah. I mean, the, what The Martian represents, I, as far as fiction being something that can motivate real activity, The Martian is a tremendously optimistic book. Yes. Like it is as far as keeping your eyes on the prize, notes to the grindstone, and all the other appendages on whatever metaphors they need, it is a very good motivator for that. And granted, being fiction, there are things that would maybe go wrong. And Mark Watney, virtually guaranteed if you were to play this real experiment out, wouldn't have made it. But he does here, and he does for very grounded and sometimes pretty cool reasons. Yeah, he could have made it. Yeah. There's a possibility. He, the like, I feel like the likelihood of him having made it is just as high as the likelihood of the Apollo 13 astronauts having made it. Because yeah. if, you, if you really get into the details of that... Oh, that was close. There were... It, it's, it's pretty much at any point, if any more had gone wrong, they would have all died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's amazing that it And worked. guess what? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't. didn't yeah. So... That's that's very cool. I mean, that's that is supposed to be what fiction's about. I never get that out of fiction. I so. yeah, I usually avoid fiction. So the fact that both of us even are aware of this book <laughs> is pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I, I read to, fiction all the time. So yeah. must say, I read pulpy science fiction on a, on the reg. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this was a this was just particularly good. Well, would you how, say that, like, you know, in the in the range of like regular science? Because I read a little science fiction, I would but not much. It, but yeah. would you put this pretty high up there as as an enjoyable read? Yeah, no, it's it's one of the best books. Oh, it's probably one of the best books I read last year. Um, okay, I read a few books last year. Um, are there other books that are similar to this? Because this is no. the best one I've. That's, come the, that's the one thing I was gonna say. It's very unique in the. Um, like there, there's hard sci-fi, you know, where they get into like really out there, like they're very heavy on technical details. There's a lot all, of technical lore, but it's difficult to understand. And sometimes it is grounded in reality, but it's beyond, beyond, you know, it's some. It's they, they assume that we've made some advances in theoretical physics that are yeah. that have not occurred. Okay. You know. Yeah. There's like they, they, and sometimes they have a very well thought out grounding for it, and like uh, anything, things that spring to mind most. Obviously, are uh, any if you ever heard of Greg Bear, and you guys probably haven't, but Greg nope. Bear has a couple books that are heavy, heavy science fiction. They're very enjoyable, but it's been a long time since I read them. Eon is the book I would start with. Um, okay, what's it about? I don't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, it's been it's been more than ten years since I read that book. How uh, fitting. I I uh, my mom has a big collection of sci- science fiction, so. Um, but no, the Martian stands on its own. I think it, it, there's there's not with just the level of, of technical realism, like it doesn't. It, they never pander. It never panders. It never dumbs it down. It, no. it omits details um, to some extent, like with the chemistry for the hydrazine stuff. But and the movie does it too. The, the movie just omits more details. But out of necessity, I, I I'm pretty alert for. Inaccuracies scientifically usually when I'm reading a book like The Martian and um, 
which we just said there weren't many like it. Um, <laughs> well, but it's it, the fact that you can even do that. The fact that right. you're not well, suspending disbelief. I feel like that when way. I was when I read it the first time, there was something. But I read it again recently, and there was nothing that I was like, yeah, I don't know about so that. Nothing glaring enough that no. would make you. Yeah. No, there was there was nothing in that book that I was like, eh. Well, and that's the magic of the semi-collaborative way that it was put together. Yeah, I mean, that's not a horrible way to write a book, apparently. No, which is. Nice to hear because there are going to be a lot more books like that coming out. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably that's... going to be the way of the uh, future, especially well, especially in science fiction where you have a fan base that wants to collaborate and is that very and is very active and wants mm-hmm. it to feel real. Yeah, I mean, because that's that is well, a that's, lot that's of science of fiction. I like yeah, because I always hated that science fiction and fantasy was clumped together. Because I really like science fiction. I'm not so much into fantasy, like. Hmm. I want a, I want a co- definitive line between the two yeah. to a certain extent. I, I like both, but I like I think I like a limited subset of both, honestly. Okay. There's there's a lot of so there's a lot of science fiction that's very um and I, I remember asking Miss McGee this. I was like, why don't we ever read any our science? English teacher yeah, in high of school your. high school English, AP literature. <laughs> um, why don't we ever read any science fiction? And she pulled out the generalization, well, science fiction tends to be more setting based and plot driven, well, other literature is more character driven, but I find that oh. most of the science fiction I read is character. It's driven. very character driven, yeah. and that's I'm a little turned off by that, which is why I haven't found something oh. I've enjoyed as much. I, as I the enjoy Martian. the character drama a lot. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm familiar with a very small subset. Like I have listened to the entire Ender's Verse, but I felt like that was just candy reading for the most part. It's, it's pretty easy to read. Yeah, yeah and it's, then it's, it's pulp. I listened to like the Metro. What is it? Two thousand Metro twenty thirty three. Yes, yeah. um, the first one was okay but miserable. The second one was useless, like and stupid. The video game is very pretty. Is it? Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I haven't played it, but <laughs> neither have I. <laughs> um, is that where you get the Russian bus stops? Um, no. Okay. That's that's just a fabulous photography project. Okay. My favorite science fiction books. Probably period. There's there's the Postman by David Brin, okay. which was made into a Nick Cage movie, which I would avoid. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. It's post-apocalypse guys <laughs> just surviving, and then uh, he finds a Postman's uniform, and then was it that a Kevin Costner? Oh, it was Kevin Costner, not Nick oh, Cage. Oh, okay. okay. I, yeah, I, I'm aware <laughs> that you're supposed to avoid that movie, but the book's good. The book is very okay. good. One of my favorites, and then um, the Forever War. Okay. Uh, I is, read that one. Yeah, it's like it's like 100 pages. It's okay. not hard to get through. Very concise. And it deals with few enough ideas that it doesn't annoy me the way a lot of science fiction does, where they try to explain away absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. There's there's a tremendous economy to the way that book's put together. It's that I, slightly that I dated um, yes. in its social, but not in a bad way, just in an inaccurate way. Where it almost becomes it's it, specific it, to its time period. It has that it. weird phenomenon where you can tell which decade it was yeah. uh, something was made in because it's the future is just a high-tech well, version of that decade. And all of science fiction has that because you can tell a decade a science fiction movie was made in by the way they perceive the future. And I always yeah. thought that was funny. The because That absolutely sure. comes yeah. up in okay, there. Okay, because like yeah. 60s sci-fi is way different than 70s sci-fi is way different yeah. than like 80s sci-fi. You know, they all have yeah. different projections of the future. There's Dune, but Dune I don't... I listened to Dune. That was, I mean, 
that wasn't the kind of sci-fi I was really hoping for. <laughs> yeah, it's not. But I made it through it. It's not really science fiction. No, it's it's, it's fantasy. That's yeah, that's draggy fantasy family stuff that I'm oh, not I interested love in. Dune. I read it like once a year. Um, <laughs> Your brother had when I mentioned I read Dune, he said he considers it a religious text. It's close. <laughs> it's a it's a messiah story. I mean, yeah, it's 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 good. Um, I actually do like the David Lynch version of that. I haven't seen it. It's not I, great, but I enjoy watching it. And then anything by John Varley. That's my last okay. recommendation. John Varley has a really kind of socially perceptive science fiction style. Like, he, he, he's he got a couple books that are just, they're really good, but they're out there. Like, they're Titan, Wizard, and Demon is a trilogy that he wrote. And that then, is a Yeah, Wizard a and Demon, name. like, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't even go there. I would see Wizard, Demon, I'm like, I'm going to yeah. go read a technical manual. No, the fundamental <laughs> aspect, the, the, the core is that there's some, they're exploring the rings of Saturn, and then they find this weird toroid-shaped thing. Okay. And they get tucked, sucked into it, and turns out it's a big, living, single living entity with its own internal ecosystem. Oh, and it's actually really cool. Um... And then there, he has some other books. Steel Beach is the other one I would recommend, which is um, sort of post-Earth inhabitant. Like, Earth Earth was wiped out by aliens, but they left the rest of humanity alone. And so there's Colony on the Moon. And okay. It just follows one character. Okay. She's doing... It's like where... It's a, it's a society where... It's not like gender is fluid. It's just really easy to change gender. Okay. Like, through technology, it becomes easy yeah. to switch genders, and that's an interesting dynamic that it adds to the book. Because the main character spends um, the first third of the book as a man, and the last two thirds as a woman. Um, it the the opening line to that book is something oh, something to the effect of um, the penis as you know it has finally become obsolete. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not heavy on the sex. It's just not bashful about. <laughs> about the fact that it, it's very fluid in the future. Yes, mm -hmm. yes. It's just it's it's kind of it's honestly feels like a fairly natural progression of the okay. sexualities attitudes or sexuality. Well, stuff becomes more like. But that is, I mean, when did that book come out? Uh nineties, early late eighties, early nineties, somewhere in there. Yeah, because that attitude doesn't seem like it's it pretty recent. Yeah. Um, but if you, I, I mean, mean, that sounds like high tech now. John Farley is a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty. Yeah, we're still working through some of those issues. Some of yeah. my favorite, some of my favorite science fiction books. It's very difficult to tell when they were written. Um, Steel Beach is a good example. It's fairly recent, but it's still. Yeah. But yeah, no, there's. So there is good sci-fi out there. There's a lot of it. You just have to know where to look. And the but start is, with The Martian because it's way better, yeah, right, Yeah, The Martian was great. Well, it's barely sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. It's just science. It's just science. That's what I mean. It's all, yeah, it almost feels like a nonfiction read when you're going through it. Like, yeah. you know, it's... It's got a historical fiction feel yeah. to it. Mm -hmm. This could have happened. Um, so, yeah, in general, uh, does anyone have anything else they want want to talk about? Related to The Martian? Yeah. I would say the book and the movie are both good. Just don't expect one to be like the other, exactly. And you won't be disappointed. I think they're, I think they're both good, too. Um, like I said, if, if you're not into reading, it's definitely worth a listen to. It was an excellent, excellent audiobook. Like, just the, the presentation, the, uh, the character. The guy who read it even sounded like Matt Damon. Mm. So it really kind of brings you in. Yeah, it helped. Um, a lot. <laughs> but I... I Thoroughly enjoyed the the book. The movie was 
very good. I would have liked a little bit more, you know, vast. It could have been survivor. Longer. Yeah, longer survivor aspect to it. Um, you know, I don't always get what I want though. So right. <laughs> it's still it's still a very well put together movie. Yeah, having watched the movie first and then listened to the book slash read the book, I kind of alternated between the two. Um, the movie, uh, Hollywood does its damage to the plot of that book, but as far as adaptations go, if you just don't have the time to read a book, the movie is good. It covers you should, it. You should watch the movie. Yeah. Um, and then the book itself, as as we've said, I... I thoroughly appreciate the kind of accomplishment in the era of crowdsourced entertainment. Um, this seems like another fantastic example. The way video games have been uh, leaning in this direction where you get games where user feedback hasn't... The democratization of the design of these things hasn't ruined them the way mm -hmm. I think a lot of us expected it to. And maybe it does in a lot of cases, but the gems were getting out of that kind of collaboration, which... I think, ha even though I don't have other examples, or I don't have examples from this book to compare it to, seems like it has tremendously improved the quality of this book in such a way that a book like this couldn't have been written by one person. Well, it wouldn't have been as good, possibly, without all of that additional. Right. Input. You needed you'd everyone's have, you'd science. Have you'd have more holes in it. Yeah. You know, the story might not have been as tight. And with more holes, this book would have fallen apart. No, right. the we first, wouldn't be talking about the it right now. The first two scientific inaccuracies, I would have been like, this author just doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, and and this totally avoids that yeah. as a result. And that is that That's is impressive. extremely cool. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that is us talking about The Martian. Let's see, what do we got? Um, and now, since apparently everybody needs the kind of engagement that Web 3.0 can promise, we need a TLDR on this. So I need everyone around this table to think of at most 10 words that they want everyone to know so that I can, they can yell them, and I can edit it into the front of this podcast. Okay, it has to be Martian pertaining? Yes, it okay. has to be on your thoughts about the Martian. Okay. Hmm. And while I'm doing that, I will read a quote from the book, which was one of my favorites. Chuck shrugged. Never occurred to us. We never thought someone would be on Mars without an MAV. I mean, come on, what are the odds? <laughs> Chuck turned to... One in three based on empirical data. That's, that's pretty bad if you think about it. <laughs> yep. I need some encouragement. I need to ask myself, what would an Apollo astronaut do? He'd drink three whiskey sours, <laughs> drive his Corvette to the launch pad, then fly to the moon in a command module smaller than my rover. Boy, those Man, guys, those guys were cool. <laughs> I love that quote. That I don't know. I think that's a, that's a, that's a good way to end it. <laughs> <coughs> Read The Martian. Accurate science. Good story. Wow. There we go. That's mine. Mark Watney's a botanist. <laughs> we haven't. We didn't mention we didn't botany talk about the one botany time. Gonna science the shit out of this, and that's what they do in The Martian. Excellent. I love that he's a botanist. Like, a botanist? What the fuck? They need a botanist on Mars And a mechanical engineer. Well, everyone had two specialties. Right. And thankfully, he had the two useful ones, because if anybody else had been on the planet, they'd been fucked. So. Oh, I should have talked. Did you guys see the interview with um, Mark Watney? Or not Mark Watney. Uh, <laughs> Mark Watney himself. 
Uh, Andy Weir. Andy Weir. Uh, Scott Kelly. Not no the, the the Canadian astronaut guy. Um, um. You know who I'm talking about? Did uh, Space Oddity on the yes, space station? Yes, I have watched those YouTube videos. Yeah. Um. <laughs> With the guitar, like, oh, yeah. what the fuck is I don't his know his name? name, but I am familiar with who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and Adam Savage. That's a pretty <laughs> good interview if you want to if you wanna get a picture. Because, like, because the, the astronauts, like, the, they talk about the scene where he stitches himself up, which is a little cringeworthy in the movie if you're squeamish about that kind of thing. Yeah. Which I, I also didn't like that they... Um... They turned it into another extracting a bullet sequence, which just seems like the obligatory Hollywood God, way to do that. That is like the oldest cliche scene in I Hollywood. I remember watching And like, that wasn't even in the book. No, I mean, it's not. He talks there's about, no indication no, like, there's he's like, he talks about getting punctured and that it stops at the yeah, pelvic he, bone. He said he said, Yeah, we're all trained in medicine, nine stitches, good to go. That's basically how he yeah. does it in yeah. the book. Yeah, um, he wasn't having to dig bullets out of him. But <laughs> but the the uh well, I if I I can't remember his name, but he was talking about how astronauts in training, all go to the ER and just practice stitching people up there <laughs> after they've been taught on cadavers. Like they all, they're all EMT certified. Yeah. So they all get that training, which I thought. So that was, is accurate. Yeah. He would yeah. be able to he stitch would totally himself up. be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. Another place where this book did not fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quite a few of them. All right, I think that's going to do it. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, David. You are welcome. Thank this you, is David. The, yeah. Weird words. Talk funny. Pleasure to be here. Yeah. Tune in next week. I think we are doing the next thing that will be on this particular on the consumption log will be Nicole say the name of this movie because yes. I'm going to get it wrong. Yes, we will be consuming The Cook, The Thief, His Wife, and Her Lover, a modern classic. NC-17. And with that, this is David Paddock signing off. Thank you for listening. <laughs>